Thank you. So good to see you here today. Um, uh, I was informed that the bulletin does not give a time for the annual business meeting. It is on, it's at 7 o'clock on the last Wednesday of the month, okay? 7 o'clock. Put that in your calendar and plan on being here. We would love for you to be here. Um, I was standing in line at the pharmacy at Walmart on, um, I think it was Thursday, if I remember correctly, this week. It was this week, but I think it was Thursday. And uh, while I was standing in line, I overheard a conversation between an elderly woman and a young couple. And it wasn't because I was trying to eavesdrop, just to be clear. Uh, but it's kind of hard when you're standing in line right next to people and they're talking loudly to not hear what's being said. But one of the interesting things that was said is, I, I, again, I walked into the middle of the conversation, so I don't know what went on before. I can only tell you what I heard. When I walked into the conversation, the elderly woman was getting very serious. She had her fingers kind of like this, talking to the young woman. I don't know. Again, I don't know what went on. I don't know if the woman and the guy were married, boyfriend, girlfriend. I don't know what was going on. But the older woman was looking at her and she had her fingers like this and emphatically speaking, and she said something like this. These are probably not the exact words because my memory is not that good. But it was something like this. Well, in my generation, when you got married and your man has some problems, you helped him get fixed. You didn't just throw him away and move on. And I stood there thinking about that. You, you mean that there are some things we're supposed to, as best as possible, commit to and stick with, even when things get hard, so that when we give our vows and we say for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer in sickness and health, you mean things might get worse? Now, I recognize this is a fallen world. And sometimes situations are such that people separate and even divorce. I recognize that. I'm not in any way judging that. I know that sometimes it's even for safety issues. But I am saying there is something about this world that seems to easily throw away things that really do matter and are important. There are traditions that we like to think that we're above. We're a more easygoing, freewheeling kind of church. So we don't care about traditions, but that's not really true. There are traditions in life that really matter. Uh, my wife and I have a tradition. Uh, we can't necessarily keep it every single night for obvious reasons, as I'll explain in a moment, but it's a tradition that we do with all of our might try to keep, and that is at night when we go to bed, we try to pray together. Now, the reason why it doesn't always work is that sometimes we're not together. Sometimes I'm away, as will happen this week. But when we are together, even when we're tired, even if we're really, really tired, sometimes my prayers get really, really short. Like, God, you know all those other things I prayed for last night? Ditto. Uh, we're human, but we still pray together because that's part of our tradition. And I think some traditions matter. In this church, has some traditions. So I want to talk to you in a somewhat different vein this morning. I'm going to do in one message what normally I might take three messages to do, so we'll be here for a while. Not really. It'll be quick. Uh, don't be laughing, Jack. Um, I want to talk about three kind of family traditions we have, except for one of them is more than just a tradition. 
One of them is actually a command of Jesus that is really important. So I want to talk to you this morning about child dedication, about church membership, and about water baptism in that order. So, I want to go right through it as quickly as I can. There's going to be nothing up on the board or actually nothing on the screens anymore. We're changing things around and I get confused about things, but you can follow this. I want to talk first about child dedication. Some churches have a tradition in which when a baby is born, very quickly after that baby is born, as soon as is possible, they baptize the baby. They believe in water baptism for infants or for babies. And basically what that is, is something that a parent does to a child in faith, or at least the ideal is that they do it in faith, believing that if that child were to die before they came of an age where they could make their own personal choice to follow and serve God, then God would see that baptism and would take them to heaven. That's kind of the belief that is there. And I want to suggest to you, I've lived life too long to just kind of throw away all things because it's not what we do. I believe that many parents actually get their children water baptized as babies with real faith in their heart, faith in the goodness and kindness of God. And I don't think that's ever a bad thing to believe that God is good and He's kind. So, Many of them do it. That's not our tradition. Our tradition, rather than infant baptism, is child dedication. And that's born out of the Old Testament where early on in the book of 1 Samuel, in fact, in the very first chapter, there was a couple by the name of Hannah and Elkanah. And Hannah, the wife, desperately wanted a baby but couldn't have any babies. And so she went into the tabernacle of God and there she prayed and she said to God, God, if you will give me a baby son, I will dedicate him to you for the rest of his life. I will give him back to you. God heard her prayer and actually gave her a baby son by the name of Samuel, after which the book is named. <coughs> Samuel became a primary prophet and judge in Israel, but he lived for the rest of his life serving God. In fact, here's what the Scripture says in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 27. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent or dedicated to the Lord, so they worship the Lord there. So, the idea of infant or baby dedication, although we've actually had folks come to this church who were a bit older, with their children being a bit older, and they become Christians, they get saved, and they say, you know, even though I didn't do it when my child was young, I want to still dedicate my child to the Lord. And we've actually dedicated older children to the Lord here. And in effect, what you're doing is you're not saying there is a specific saving grace as in water baptism for the child. You're saying there is a faith that is being exuded, saying, God, I am believing that I am sealing my child for your purposes and that you will in due time bring him to his own personal faith in Christ. You're presenting him. You're recognizing that that child is a gift from God to you as parents, which sometimes we forget in the midst of parenting, that that child is a gift from God to you, and you're saying, God, I want to give this gift back. Not as a, God, you take him back. No, it's God... I'm presenting him to you knowing that you can keep a better care of him than I can because I'm not always around. And I have to tell you, there have been many times in our lives with raising our three children when we recognize we just 
We didn't always know what was going on in their hearts and lives. They were obviously going through different things. And all we could do was go back to the fact that we had given them to God. And in our prayers, we'd say, God, you alone can hold them. And he has proven faithful to that again and again and again. Even in the New Testament, Mary and Joseph, who had baby Jesus, when he came of age, they brought him back to the temple. And there they dedicated him to the Lord. So the idea of dedication is it's the recognition of a gift. It's the recognition of a need for help that you have. God, I need your help. But it's also the sealing of this life unto God Himself and to what God has as a purpose for His life. It's saying, God, use this child as you would. And so we personally believe that as early as possible, you would bring your child, your baby, and you would dedicate him to the Lord. And so, on January 22nd, we're going to have a service in which anyone who wants to dedicate their baby or their child is going to be able to, having told me ahead of time, be able to dedicate their child to the Lord. So, very simply, dedication is about recognition of a gift, recognition of the need of God's help, His intervention in the life of this child, and the recognition of God sealing that child by your faith to that point in which they will come to their own personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, very simply, that's what it's about. When, when you dedicate them, you are also in effect. I've often, often thought, okay, we dedicate the child, but the truth is you are as much dedicating the parents to raise that child in a way that is going to create an atmosphere in the home that that child wants to follow God. Um, so often we think it's like we're looking for uh, an easy way out. God, I gave them to you, now is your problem. No, when you dedicate your child to the Lord, you're in effect saying, God, I too need to give my life afresh to you. And that's what is in my heart. I want to have a home, not just a house, but a home in which you are the Lord, you're preeminent. So, child dedication, giving your child to the Lord and giving your own life to the Lord. The second thing I want to talk about very quickly, again, I'm moving through these fast just because I'm trying to do each one in a very brief time so that you understand what they're about because we're going to be having the service coming up on January 22nd. <clears throat> the second one is church membership. And I have to tell you, in a nation in which... Um, the it was interesting. I had read a stat not too long ago, I think I can get this right, in which something like 80% of people in the United States of America who call themselves Christians are not members of a church because they don't want to commit. They want to be able to go as they feel led. They like to flit from place to place. Now, I'm not saying that God does not move people on. People have come to this church, been a part of this church, and then they've left this church, and we've been able to bless them in it. They're still friends of ours. We don't take it as if somehow it's an attack against us personally. We want to recognize that sometimes God has purposes that would lead people on. We understand that. I don't always like it when it happens, but I understand it. But I am saying to you that as much as possible, there is something built into the very fabric of we Americans especially that don't like to make commitment. We don't like to kind of lock ourselves in. We want to be able to be freewheeling and go where we want, when we want. And when things get tough, we want to be able to find an excuse to get out of it. So as much as possible, I think it's important for us to understand that according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, I think it is, 
It says that when we become a Christian, when we get saved, we are born, it says, into the body of Christ. You are born into the body of Christ. Now, in that particular reference, when it speaks about the body of Christ, it's speaking about the body of Christ universal. Jesus is the head of His body, and when you become a Christian, you become a part of His body, the larger extension or expression of His life in the earth. So that's a universal thing. So that we have brothers and sisters around the world that are part of the body of Christ, that are connected to us by faith in Jesus. But if you read the rest of the Scriptures, and I believe this is accurate in all but one instance, when Paul uses the word church, in every other instance, he's talking about a local assembly. An expression much like this church, where you become a member, where you become a committed part of that church. So that in the vast majority of the cases, even if it's not just one, it's in the vast majority of the cases, When Paul talks about the church, when that occurs in the New Testament, he's talking about the gathering of local believers. And he says, when you are born into Christ's body, the natural progression ought to be that you become a part of a local body. And there's several reasons for that that I think are important. So, when you aren't saved, you recognize you need to get saved. You get saved, but you get saved not so that you can just go to heaven when you die. You get saved because your life has a purpose on this earth. You have a purpose in God's kingdom on this earth. And part of that purpose is how you relate to one another. I have to tell you, uh, when I got married, uh, I got married 36 and a half years ago approximately. Uh, When I got married, I thought I was okay. I thought it was a, you know, I, I knew everybody has problems, everybody needs to grow, but generally speaking, I thought I was okay. And then I got married. And I found out I got a lot of stuff. I got a lot of things that came out in the mix of the relationship. I found out there were things about me that weren't okay. And so, in the same way, when we become a part of a body, we rub up against each other. And sometimes stuff happens. And all of a sudden we find out we're not as loving as we thought we were. We're not as forgiving as we thought we were. We thought we were fine, and all of a sudden we find out, wait a minute, if I'm fine, how come it seems like every relationship I get into in the church ends not well? And then I want to say to people, what's the common denominator here? Is it possible that God might want to be getting at something in you? So part of why He puts us into bodies is that iron sharpens iron. It's how we grow up together. We actually begin to speak the truth to one another and hopefully do it in love. To become a member of a local body is to commit yourself formally to an identifiable local body of believers who have joined themselves together for very specific purposes in the earth. So that when you come together, you agree that God has vested certain things in you. Both your personality and your gifts. And you agree that you're going to use those for the good of God's kingdom in this local area, whatever that might be. You also agree that you want to begin to edify one another. You know, all throughout the Scripture, the Scripture talks about being able to come together. It has all these one another's in the New Testament. Well, how in the world do you think that happens if you don't become committed to a local body? You say, well, I come, but I just, I'm not committed. 
Well, what that also means then is it makes it impossible for God's Word to be fulfilled in your life because part of God's Word is that you come under authority. You submit to authority who can then speak into your life and they can't legitimately do that if you're not a part. So part of being a member has an important part for your own growth, but also for you being able to help others to grow in their own faith in Christ. Uh, you place yourself under the care. In fact, Hebrews 13.7 says, Obey those who rule over you, for they keep watch over your soul. There's a responsibility in becoming a member that is a, it's almost like it goes contrary to this world system that says, no, I'm in charge of my own life. Nobody tells me what to do. It, it fights against that mentality of independence. And says, no, I'm a part of a body. I'm a part of a family. It's not just about me. It's about us and what works for us together. It's pretty hard to be in obedience or submission to leadership when you don't commit to anybody and no one has a right to speak into your life or tell you what to do. Scripture exhorts us to edify one another, to come into submission and to come under authority, to use our gifts. In fact, I love uh, the way in which uh, there's a translation out there called God's Word Translation. Uh, it does Romans 12, 6, 8 this way. God in His kindness gave each of us different gifts. If your gift is speaking God's Word, make sure what you say agrees with the Christian faith. If your gift is serving, then devote yourself to serving. If it's in teaching, devote yourself to teaching. If it's encouraging others, devote yourself to giving encouragement. If it's in sharing, be generous. If it's in leadership, lead enthusiastically. If it's helping people in need, help them cheerfully. So that when you become a member of the family here at Warsaw at Family Life Church, one of the things I ask you is, do you agree to use all of the gifts and abilities, including your time, your wisdom, your helps, your finances? Do you agree to use all of that for the good of God's kingdom as it's expressed through this local body? And that's part of what it means to be a part of a body in Christ, to be a church member. It means that you have looked at our statement of faith what we believe. It means that you've looked at this sheet and you said, you know, this is what I believe and I agree with this and I want to stand with a body of people who believe this way. It means that you've taken our Constitution and bylaws and these both are out on the table and you've looked at them and you've said, you know, I've looked at what it means to be a member under our bylaws and I agree with that, that I am going to have not only a full expression of God's life in me, I'm a Christian, I have been water baptized or I agree to be water baptized. I agree with the statement of faith and I agree to a faithful attendance and use of my gifts here in this house. So I don't just show up when it's convenient or when I feel like it. I have a commitment to this body and I want to be here and be a part of it. So that's what it means to be a church member. You come to me and you let me know I would like to become a member and next Sunday right after church we're going to get together and we're going to talk but before that time, you're going to grab the Constitution and bylaws and what we believe. You're going to look at that. You're going to be able to come next Sunday, meet with me after church briefly to be able to talk about whether that's something that you can fully agree to. And one of the things that you need to understand is that when you become a member, you agree to live your life in a way that honors God. And when you don't, you open yourself up to the loving, caring encouragement of your brothers and sisters to help you back into the way. It's important. That's what Paul does in 1 Corinthians. He had a man in the church who was acting inappropriately. And he 
says to the leadership, you need to do something about this. And they do. And then in 2 Corinthians, he comes back to them. He says, okay, now that you've done this and this man has repented, you need to receive him back into the fellowship joyfully. So there's something about body life that is important here that you agree that you're going to live your life in a certain way as a member of this church. And then finally, the last one, baptism. And again, I'm moving through all of these super fast ones that I normally would preach each one alone. But baptism, uh, and, and if I were to speak on it, I would say, is baptism an obligation or is it an option? Is it something you can kind of choose to do if you feel like it? I've had people say, well, you know, I just don't understand why I should get baptized. I don't think I need to do that. I'm a Christian. I don't need to be water baptized. And, and some people treat life in God like it's a buffet. They pick and choose what it is they like and what they don't like and what they do and what they don't do. But in my mind, baptism is a command of Jesus that is not an option at all. It's an obligation. He says in Matthew 28, the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw Him, they worshipped Him. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to Me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And then His first command is this, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, one of the first things that happens when people get saved, they come to Peter and say, What do we do? He says, Number one, you need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Then you need to be baptized. Baptism is actually a separation point in a person's life. It's when they say, I am now a believer and I'm leaving behind my old life, my old way of life. In fact, Paul calls that the old man. And when you go into the waters of baptism and you are baptized, the old man dies and is left behind. And the Scripture says that you are raised a new man in Christ, according to Romans chapter 6. There's a likening that happens there when you go into the water of baptism. Now, there's all kinds of ways in which people talk about being baptized. Some believe in pouring water on the head. Some believe in sprinkling. We personally believe in immersion. And the reason we do is that the word that is used for baptism throughout the whole of the New Testament is the word baptizo. And it literally means immersion. Full immersion. It's where your body goes under the water. Now, I recognize that in some instances that's not a possibility. Somebody gets saved on their deathbed. But they say, I want to be baptized. Or somebody's in a place where there is no water. I can remember when we were in Africa. They literally, I mean, it was a tough spot because of the conditions that were there. But they dug a deep hole and they carted water from a river in order to be able to do a baptism. But sometimes that's not possible. They only have a very, very little bit of water. But as a general rule, I believe the biblical example is by immersion, according to baptizo. Even in Acts chapter 8, when Philip comes upon a man who's traveling in a chariot, and he's reading the Bible, and Philip begins to explain the way of God to him, the next words out of this man's mouth is, well then what forbids me from being baptized? Even they recognized in the New Testament, in the new order of things, that baptism was important. Now, why is it important? Why is it not just uh, uh, an option that you can either do or not do? It doesn't really matter. Well, the reason why it's so important is because baptism is about authority and the kingdom. When Jesus came preaching, He came preaching, Behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. 
He says, the kingdom, the government of God has come upon you. And so that when you are baptized, you're saying, I'm coming under the authority and the government of God. And He's the one who determines how my life works. Baptism is like your initial submission to the authority of God. It's like if you're going to get saved, if you're going to be a Christian, then you ought to at least do the first thing that Jesus told you to do. And that was to get baptized. And you ought to do it as soon as possible near to that time of salvation. And you ought to do it, and I believe, and according to our own church, I believe you ought to do it by virtue of immersion. Um, When you're baptized, you renounce all claims that the enemy has had upon your life. You renounce all of your past way of life, how you used to do things. And you say, I am a new creation in God. And I'm going to live my life fully for Him. What that means, by the way, is that every aspect of your life comes under His authority. You can't separate out one part and say, well, when I come to church, that's when I act like a Christian. When I'm out in the world, well, it's not so much that way. No, you're a Christian every day, all day, or you're not a Christian. And when you get baptized, you are saying, I choose to live under His authority completely. And I renounce all of my past ways. And I pledge my hope in God for His eternal salvation. This is, it's not just a kingdom thing. In the Word of God, it's also a kingdom family thing. In other words, you do this in front of people. It's not just like, well, I don't feel comfortable being baptized in front of people. Could you come to my house and baptize me in my bathtub? No, this is a community thing. This is where you do it in front of people. You're saying in front of people, I am a believer. I am going to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. And I want this baptism to express what has gone on inside of me. I have had a work of God in me in which that old man has been killed and I am me new creation and I want to demonstrate that so that when you go under the water in baptism, it's as if you're drowning the old man and you're being raised a new man or a new person in Christ. So that's why it's important. It's a kingdom thing. And the question that really faces all of us today is, whose authority are you living under? If you're going to be a believer, you live under the authority of God and no one else. You live under His authority, and then you live under that authority who He places as authority in your life, whether it be parents in the lives of children or in the scope of the church. Who has God placed that has a right to speak into your life? Now, the normal question is, when should I get baptized? And I think you ought to do it as soon as possible after you become a Christian. As soon as it's practical. In our very first church, um, we had a whole group of folks who were migrant workers. In fact, we found out later many of them were illegal immigrants. But they were out on the farms, working the farms, and I had gone out there, I can remember, still remember, standing on the roof of one of the concrete, kind of like bunkhouses, and preaching the gospel. And some of them got saved, and they started coming to church. And they started living for Christ. And one day I must have preached on baptism, because they came to me and said, well, why can't we be baptized? I said, sure. And at that point, we had been borrowing a baptismal tank from another church, so we'd go to another church and use their tank. And I thought, that's not a problem. They said, no, no, we we would like to be baptized in the lake. This was like in February. It was cold, it was icy, and I can remember standing up on a rock with one of the guys, getting ready to baptize him. And basically, we would stand on the rock. I can remember a couple of the uh, leaders of the church standing behind us, holding us up, 
because it was so slippery, and waiting for the waves to wash over us. It was cold. But these were people who said, we're Christians and we want to get baptized and we want to do it now. And so, I think you ought to do it as soon as possible. Now the question has arisen, and people have already asked me here, how old should a person be before they get baptized? And I think, honestly, that's up to the parents. If you as parents know that your child has made a true profession of faith in Jesus Christ, and they understand what they have done, they have purpose to live that way, and they understand baptism, they want to be baptized, then I think that's your call. I've had one parent say to me, I want my child to be baptized. We've gone over it. Mom and dad have both talked to our child, even though they're young. They know that they're a Christian. They have accepted Christ as their Savior, and they want to be water baptized. I had another parent say, well, my child is nine years old. They, I know they've accepted Christ. I know that. But I'd rather wait until they're a little bit older so that they understand it better. I'm fine either way. That's the parent's call, in my opinion, not our call. That's up to you as parents to decide. Now, I can say that often what happens is when a child is baptized, they have several more encounters with God. And it's not unusual for them to come to a point where they say, okay, I got baptized when I was really young, and I, I understood, but now I really understand. So can I get baptized again? And we've done baptismal services in which people have been rebaptized. Now, the truth is, I believe God honors the very first baptism. But the second one is their way of saying, as an older adult, I now understand better what it is that I am doing and I want to do this as before the Lord. One of the things that we ask of you if you're going to be baptized is that you're actually going to give a testimony of your faith in Christ. So what that means is, before you get into the tank, and there will be a tank sitting up here on January 22nd, before you get into that tank, you're going to stand and you're going to, with the microphone, give testimony to your faith. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be complicated. It can be very simply, I have accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and I want to be baptized. That's fine. But you have to give testimony, including the children. So one of the things we ask is that you get ready to give a testimony. The other thing, of course, is that we ask that it be uh, appropriate so that you're going to wear a dark attire and heavier clothing so that it's not inappropriate for anyone. There's no swimming suits that goes on. It's going to be us here in the baptismal tank. Uh, I want to basically say that one of the things that has happened a couple times is people say, well, I want to be baptized, and I'm a Christian, but I'm so scared to speak in front of people. I understand it. I really do. I understand the nervousness of having to stand in front of people. I live with it. But, here's my point. Jesus says, if you won't confess me before men here on earth, neither will I confess you before my Father in heaven. So there's an important point of being able to at least say to people, I have come to believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. So that's part of what we expect of you. So, very simply, if you're here and you don't have a clear baptismal experience, as a believer, then I would encourage you to do it and to do it perhaps even this coming Sunday if you're willing. You need to be able to witness to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as your authority in life and to all that He would say to you. And you need to be able to say, it's not my will that matters, it's your will, O oh God, that is important. So, on what would it be? This is the 8th. So on the 15th, next Sunday, those of you that are interested in membership or baptism, you need to let me know and you need to be ready to stay after church briefly for a meeting in which we discuss those very things. 
If you're interested in those things, you also need to let me know. You need to let me know, as well as with child dedication, you need to let me know either by text or by email or Facebook Messenger if you like, or write it on a piece of paper and give it to me. Don't just tell me because my mind doesn't last that long. You need to be able to write it down because pencil lasts longer than memory. So, if you're interested in being baptized, church membership, or you're interested in a child dedication, write it down, give it to me. And if it's baptism or membership, you need to be willing to stay after church briefly next Sunday to meet with me so that we can discuss this together. So if you're a part of this church already, if you say, this is my church, this is my family, but you're not officially a member, I would encourage you to become a part, to kind of stop dating. It's kind of like uh, there was a movie out some time ago something called something like Dating Without Privileges or With Privileges or something, I don't know. But I can't. I got to tell you, for too long, I think people go ahead and they treat coming to church like dating, and they don't ever want to get married. Well, I've had some bad experiences in churches in the past. Well, who hasn't? I've been married long enough to say we've had some bad experiences in our marriage. It hasn't always been easy. It hasn't always been rainbows and butterflies. Sometimes it's hard, but you stay committed to one another because you made that commitment. And the same thing as a church. You stay committed because you've made that commitment. Okay? So that's very simply what we're about. So, would you stand with me? I don't think I could have done this any shorter, briefer, or to the point. Also, uh, I didn't mention this, but out on the table are these forms, or some of them were handed out to you. If you didn't get one, you can get one. If you are a member... We have officers in this church. They're called deacons, elders, treasurer. Uh, the deacons are elected, but the way in which we do it is rather than during our annual business meeting have a popularity contest where people stand up and say, I, I make a motion that so-and-so will be a deacon. We don't do that. We ask you to put ahead of time those that you would like to see serve who are also a member of this church. So if there's somebody here that you think would be a good servant in this house, you can put their name, and you can do it next week. Put it in the offering afterwards, and that's for deacon or for treasurer. And what we ask is, if possible, you would sign your name, because sometimes people put down a name that just can't work, like they're not a member. And so I go back to you and I say, well, you know, I think they're a great person. I think they do a good job too, but they're not a member. So if you have somebody you would like to see here as a deacon or as the treasurer, would you please mark that down? And then we can go from there, okay? And you can put those in the offering. All right? Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you for this day, for time together, for your life and your hope that has been literally bled into us today. Uh, your life into us. Your hope into us. And I thank you for it. I thank you as well for the privilege that we have to be a part of this family here in Warsaw and the way in which your life works in us. And the privilege we have to be able to bring our children and to present them back before you. The privilege we have to enter into the waters of baptism there to make a clear break with the old and walking in the new. I thank you for the truth of each one and what it means in our lives. And I pray, God, that you would move upon hearts that are here who are not members, who have perhaps not dedicated their children or not even been baptized, that you would move upon them that they would do so accordingly. We bless you, Father, in the rest of this day. In the name of Christ, amen.
Amen. The Lord bless you. Have a great rest of your day.